Welcome to the podcast edition of Wharton Moneyball. In this segment, we're going to talk to Neil Payne, senior editor and writer for The Messenger. We're going to talk about what was the possible logic that the college football playoff selection committee could have used to pick the top four teams. We know it wasn't purely based on strength. We knew it wasn't based on betting odds. Listen to our show and figure out what they must have been thinking. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball, my favorite show, my favorite time of the week where sports statistics and business collide. This is Eric Bradlow, Professor of Marketing and Statistics. I'm acting as the primary host today with our colleague and collaborator, Cade Massey, being away. I'm here joined by my co-host, longtime friend, graduate school classmate. Well, we sort of overlapped, didn't overlap, but either way, same department, uh, Shane Jensen. And of course, uh, Shane, one of the great parts of Wharton Moneyball is that we get to have guests on the show Although I think it's almost unethical to call this person that we're joining us today a guest since he's um, almost been on as much as all of us. He's like the Steve Martin of Wharton Moneyball or something Hey, that's a very good analogy. But here we are joined by Neil Payne. Uh, Neil's a longtime friend of the show, senior editor and writer for The Messenger. People know his work all over the place. 538 used to work for Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Neil, welcome back to Wharton Moneyball. Welcome, guys. You know, I have my banjo right here. So the Steve Martin comparison is uh, apt, I think. Ah, there we go. And of course, we're also joined by my co-host, uh, Professor of Statistics and Data Science, Adi Weiner. So that's, Neil, uh, that's Grandpa Adi Weiner to you. Oh, that's true. Congratulations, <laughs> Grandpa. And I'm sure all of our listeners here, and if anybody wants to tweet a congratulations, of course, to Adi, at W Moneyball, uh, at W Moneyball, of course, you can always uh, tweet at us there. Um, The part I wanted to talk with you about the college football playoffs, and I'll just start with maybe 10 or 15 seconds, and then I'd love to hear your take. When I saw the list come out of Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama, I was a little surprised, but let me just say why, and then I'll give my 15 seconds, and then we'll turn it over to you, our guest, and then I know Shane wants to weigh in as well. I was trying to think what objective function could the committee have been solving for? And I don't know the answer, but I've eliminated the following ones. They clearly didn't follow the Vegas betting odds because these wouldn't be the four teams if you said, who would people bet on to win the championship? So that that objective function is clearly not, and that data was available for the committee. So that wasn't it. We can eliminate team strength, which is obviously very correlated with the betting odds, um, because if you had built like an ELO model or a strength model or Massey Peabody, these weren't the four teams with the highest strength parameters. As a matter of fact, Shane had talked about it last week. Georgia would be in. I mean, if you built a model based on purely strength parameters, them losing one game by three points after winning 29 straight doesn't make them not a top four team. Okay. Great thing about that objective function. You don't even have to play the season. You could do it beforehand. Well, you could, but you could also play the season and who be too. Um, you could even actually, what's interesting is even if you look at the four teams they put in conditional on those four, it's not done by strength. Um, and so that wasn't the objective function. Um, and so my question to you, and also I have to point out to our listeners, if Alabama, I don't, Shane, do you know, what was the win probability of Auburn when they were up with a fourth and 29 on the last play of the game? If Alabama doesn't convert that, we're not even talking about Alabama being in the playoffs. So let's just put that in there too. But forget what I think. We have Neil Payne, expert, senior writer, editor and writer for The Messenger. What do you think the committee was doing? 
Well, I mean, I think cynically what they were doing was finding a way to create sort of close, uh, really like high powered talent matchups in the college football playoff semifinals and uh, and the final. And if that was their function, uh, their goal for their function, then, you know, we're going to get a matchup of really good teams that also have huge fan bases. I think that was also part of it. Um, But my problem with it is if you're going to do that, just like be transparent about it and say that that's, that's what you're trying to do. I think this idea of, um, you know, the best four teams to your point, Eric, like Ohio state would be favored against probably everybody except Michigan in the whole country. Probably Oregon would be favored against Washington, despite losing to them twice. Uh, I think like if you're talking in Georgia, like you guys said, would probably be favored against, uh, you know, maybe favored against Ohio state and maybe not favored against Michigan, but you could quibble with that favored against everyone else. Uh, even Penn State with two losses, you know, the predictive systems like them and they might be up there if you're trying to think about the four best teams. Uh, so, you know, th- this talk of that and then leaving Florida State out after um, going undefeated in a power five conference, winning their conference championship on the basis of not having their number one quarterback or their number two quarterback at, at the end of the um, the the season. It, it just really speaks to this sort of ad hoc nature of the the selection process. Everybody has kind of beaten this horse to death, but uh, really, honestly, the the fact that they could rank uh, Florida State ahead of Georgia, which is like, who thinks that Florida State would be favored against Georgia? The, their whole reason for leaving Florida State out of the um, Final Four was that they didn't think that they would be competitive uh, against the other semifinalists. Yet also, you know, not put Georgia in the top four, not put Ohio State in the top four. It's this weird Frankenstein zombie mix of like, are you doing a prediction? Are you doing a retrodiction? And this is something that all of these things have always struggled with, like the NCAA um, type. You know, even the selection committee for March Madness, like, you know, do you put in a team that has really good predictive metrics that might include and probably should include point differential uh, when that encourages running up the score? That's been something that that uh, they've, they've struggled with for a long time. So this idea of like backwards looking versus forwards looking and typically these types of committees have always sided on this uh the direction of backwards looking accomplishment you know most deserving that was the parlance that was used this past week and i think that's the right thing to do the right approach to take when you're talking about giving out uh you know something that is based on the body of work of a whole season and what have you done what have you accomplished when you start getting into this idea of what might you do Who's the best on paper? You know, all of these ideas. Who's the strongest team if we adjust for injuries and all the umpteen thousand different ways you can adjust? That is a really slippery slope that gets you into territory where, again, like you could put in teams that have like two or three or, you know, however many more losses than undefeated teams. If you really were talking about uh, uh, the strongest teams on paper in some seasons, you could put in like a nine and four team over an undefeated team. If that nine and four team played a really tough schedule and ran up huge point differentials and the other team squeaked by, do they really want to go down that path? I mean, that's really sort of, and I don't think they do. I think they made an exception in this particular case because of the circumstances and gave themselves permission to do a little, you know, bending of the of their own internal logic, and you end up with this thing that like has no internal consistency whatsoever. When you just add it. one line before Shane jumps in with his thoughts here, um, 
I just don't think they were ever going to put a Final Four grouping in there without Alabama or Georgia in there, no matter what. Well, that, I, that gets, it, that, that's it. That's the constraint. That gets to my point. That they yeah. have, it, they are incredibly consistent year to year. If you be- if if you believe that this objective function, they're not transparent about it. The objective function is there must be a, their SEC team gets an automatic entry, and probably a Big Ten team gets an automatic entry. I mean, I don't think it's ever happened that that hasn't been the case. And if you believe that the SEC gets an automatic entry, Alabama is the most deserving. They beat Georgia. Yep. You know, if you believe that Big Ten gets an automatic entry, Michigan is the obvious choice this year. And basically, you know, the rest can sort itself out. But you need to have for both, I think. I mean, this is probably their rationale for for both quality of football, quality of the playoffs plus money. You need to have an SEC team in the Final Four, and you need to have a Big Ten team in the Final Four. No, but there's and a logical the conclusion. Just one other thing to add before I jump to Adi. Just remember, though, I agree with that sequential nature. I think they put Michigan 1 and Alabama in, but then you have to, in quotes, put Texas in, and that eliminates Florida State because Texas beat Alabama at Alabama. So the minute you go Stage 1, SEC Big oh, Ten, yeah. then I Texas mean, when, when has to be in, real... and then, then Florida State's out. When there's only really two degrees of freedom or two spots that are actually truly up for grabs, it really makes it a very difficult thing. Let me ask you, 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 you uh, pontificating um, pundits, um, (laughs) what is, uh, why does Washington kind of automatically get in here? What's their undefeatedness or what, why is the pack, whatever, sufficiently high enough to like outrank Florida State? So Neil can talk about this. I think both the power rankings for the entire conference Their conferences play against other conferences. In Washington's case, they beat Oregon twice, and Oregon was considered one of the best five or six teams in the country, and they beat them twice. Um, And the ACC, which Florida State won, um, didn't have any really – I mean, they had a few good wins against, let's call them, good SEC teams, but there were no incredible wins by the ACC conference. But, Neil, what's your thought about why Pac-12 over ACC this year? No, I think you guys nailed it. And just Washington, you know, if you look at something like the football power index at ESPN, Washington faced the ninth most difficult schedule and Florida State faced the 55th most difficult schedule. So there's definitely a difference there. And I agree with you guys that like once you make the determination that the SEC champion has to be in and the Big Ten champ, uh, you know, if we're talking about the two super conferences and then you have to use the head to head from that Bama Texas game, you really run out of slots very quickly, which is why they're expanding in the playoff, you know, you wouldn't really have this problem in the future. But then you look at the whole scope of college football history, especially since the BCS era and into the uh, playoff era, and you have another sort of ironclad or seemingly ironclad rule, which is if you have an undefeated power conference champion, they make the final four 100% of the time before this past uh, season. So you do have these sort of competing rules or traditions or whatever you want to call it. And if you lock yourself in I actually think you should lock yourself, if you're going to lock yourself into a rule, you should lock yourself into the undefeated rule for a power conference school, because I think that'll probably yield, uh, you know, a team that is more in line with the traditions of a sport where it's really the only major sport where a team could go, the best teams do go undefeated at the end of the regular season. And that's sort of a big deal going back to when we were kids and you had like Nebraska going undefeated and, you know, so on and so forth, where a, a single loss during the regular season can and possibly should eliminate you from consideration. There's that baked in 
fear of losing these regular season games, whether it's in September. You know, Bama thought when they lost to Texas that, that was a huge, uh, uh, you know, detriment detriment to them. And certainly they they played Actually, their way back into the conversation. One, one solution to this, Neil, is I, I have. To, I don't know why I just thought of this. Is by the way, I want to thank Shane for the you know um, if you'd like the two automatic spot theory because I was trying to figure out what they're. And actually, if you bring, if you build that in, it's entirely logical why these are the four. But it almost reminds me of what we do in variable selection. What they should have done, according to me, is forward selection, backward selection, which means you put Michigan and Alabama in, okay? Then, of course, Washington has to go. Texas beat Bama. But now I do backward selection. Now Texas removes Alabama because Texas beat Alabama, and that leaves the spot open for Florida State. So I'm putting Alabama in, and then I'm removing them. See, I'm doing a forward selection, backward selection. I'm putting them in as the SEC champ. And then I know Shane's not buying this, but I'm putting them in as the SEC champ. And then Texas, I'm putting in over them because they beat them. And then that leaves Florida State, which Neil said is – never happened in the history and then that's why i'm putting them in as opposed to alabama or we kind of just pretend like texas is already in the sec which you know <laughs> happens <laughs> next year right <laughs> and that kind of that opens up our degree of free, uh, another degree of freedom to let uh, florida state in well we're here on uh wharton moneyball this is eric bradlow professor of marketing and statistics i'm being joined by my two co-hosts shane jensen and adi weiner both professors of statistics here at the wharton school and we're joined by our host today longtime friend longtime co-host of the show neil Payne. neil's a senior editor and writer uh, for the messenger i always want to ask a non-statistical question uh, which is is that allowed on this show? Is, is that allowed i mean one that well, i'm going to answer with a statistical answer no, i mean i, really, I really want to answer a question that doesn't really have a statistical answer which is, I always felt that we as analysts have overplayed our hand statistically by driving the metrics that predict well and measure kind of fundamental quality and undervaluing what I would, what we call, what do you call the resume, like actually winning when you needed to win. And we, we do that because we just don't find predictive value in it, um, which is an insight, of course, but nevertheless, the 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 player that drives in the runs. I mean, I, this I hate to bring it back to baseball, but I know that Neil doesn't mind. Um, that you know, you talk about the 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 classic um, Williams versus DiMaggio MVP. The guy didn't DiMaggio didn't deserve it by by war, but DiMaggio had like fifty percent more RBIs. I mean, when when the runs needed to be driven in, when the time needed to happen. You know, he just had high leverage batting average. And we would go, that's bullshit, doesn't predict, it's all random, um, garbage. But on the other hand, the guy d- does it when it needs to be. So when you talk about Florida State or the undefeated teams versus the one-loss teams, personally, don't you feel like that should matter? Like actually doing it when you need it to get it So, done? Neil, let me have you jump in here. But I just have to say facetiously for our listeners who are in Wharton Moneyball, that was Adi Weiner's non-statistical question, but, uh, but, but okay, Neil, why don't you jump in and answer this? Well, this is exactly why I wanted to have this conversation with you guys, because I think all of us on some level or another have spent a lot of time in our careers thinking about this breakdown between what happened in the past, how much of that is noise, and how much of that you get, quote unquote, credit for going forward in a predictive sense. And in some ways, I think you're right. Adi, like we have been, we're the ones that typically are saying like, hey, Florida State 
if you make it, you know, if you look at their strength of uh, schedule and you look at their point differential and adjust for quarterback, you know, we've done this in NFL. I've done this, you know, for years with things going back to like the 2017 Eagles, which is actually kind of a fun counterexample of that. They don't make the, you know, hey, if there's a playoff committee, then they don't they get left out of the playoffs. Right. Because Nick, surely Nick Foles is not going to uh, allow them to continue to be competitive in the playoffs or even Trevor Lawrence this year. You know, you look at these quarterback injuries, but um, that's not how it works in other sports. But we have have spent so much time thinking about like perfecting these forward looking metrics that then now when they're actually being used for something that it almost feels like it's unfair to use them for, which is this assessment of like the of the body of a team's work looking backwards. Mm-hmm. It, it's like our own uh, weapons are being used against us in some <laughs> ways. It's a very weird feeling to be on the opposite side of that and arguing for Florida State because. I don't think Florida State would give much of a game uh, if they were to have made it into, uh, you know, even with the backup, not not the I mean, the third stringer, God forbid. Uh, But, you know, do I think that the committee should be playing that game and, and making these arbitrary adjustments for particular key injuries? I mean, we've seen a version of this and I was reminded of this uh, in the aftermath of the selection of like, Cincinnati in basketball in 2000 was downgraded from a one seed to a two seed because Kenyon Martin was injured. And that was in my mind, in my memory, that was like the first time I could think of like the selection committee for the uh, March Madness making that type of determination. I just want to ask you a quick question just for the listeners here on Wharton Moneyball. Are you saying if Jordan Travis weren't injured, Florida State would have made it? And who would they have replaced in this for? Uh, I think, I mean, it's that's, tough. That's not obvious to me. The SEC, if you believe the SEC requirement, there still would have been an argument. But I, I have to think, well, but OK, by taking the committee at their word, which, of course, who knows what that's worth. And then I want Shane's answer to like this question, put, too. But go ahead. Yeah, It sounded like they would have put they're trying to act like and of course, it's easy to do this because Jordan Travis is hurt. But they tried to act like, oh, it's just such a shame that he's hurt, because if he was healthy, we would have put them in. But he's not. Instead so of who? We can't. Instead of probably instead of Bama. I mean, you think about it like the Texas over Bama, uh, you know, head to head is sort of this like trump card that they can play to get Texas in. And then, you know, Michigan and Washington, just based on the resumes, I don't think they're going to drop an undefeated Washington out. So you end up with a situation of this numbers game where like taking them at their word again it's it's sort of a hypothetical but you know they they try to act or portray like they would put florida state in if jordan travis were were healthy do we buy that i don't know my my answer is i do not take them at their word i think they still would have excluded florida state it would have been with that injury it would have been been an even harder argument but they're 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 fine they're fine with you know they're not you know there's no such thing as bad attention i think as far as the college football playoff is concerned as so yeah, obviously we've already come to agree that four is not we four you can there you know you can get competitive to the games you know at, with more than four teams top six dropping it down to twelve how many competitive you know because you are going to once you get down to twelve or so how many how many competitive are we going to sort of see we're already kind of complaining a little bit with the NFL and its expanded wild card weekend you know it's wild card weekend that we're letting in a lot of teams where all of a sudden these games are not starting. You, you know, you're getting a lot of blowouts in the first round of the playoffs. 
All right, so I'll. Are we going to see that again? Let's say they football expands. Yeah, let's ignore Liberty for a second because I think Liberty might have made the top twelve potentially in the. But let's say right now nine, ten, eleven, and twelve were Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, and Oklahoma. I'll, I'll go with. Look, Adi, you, you tell me this. Let's even imagine, you you did this calculation a couple weeks ago, Adi. Let's imagine each of those teams. Let's pretend each of those teams against Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State, and Oregon were each 14-point underdogs. What's the probability that one 14-point underdog gets through? It's not that small, right? Nope. About, about, about one. In six you, games, right? Or In four games. I'm saying if five through eight games. paid nine through 12, Okay. Shane's question is, would any of those games be competitive? No, actually, I'm asking about the winners of those games. Oh, oh. Like the quarterfinals, would they be competitive? Because then you oh, have one I, one versus, you know, one yes. versus whoever. Two. Would I, they, I, get uh, Georgia, I get Georgia, Ohio State, and Oregon. Assuming they make it through, yeah. If they make the it through. With this, the problem with this is that here's my question. You know, Michigan and Ohio are about the same. Yep. And Alabama are about Georgia are about the same. Washington and Oregon are about the same. And they basically had columns, and they just had two in each one. They were basically identical, and they had a formula to pick. That's but, it. And, and, and Texas, I don't know where they fit in compared to the rest of the group, but it probably drops down pretty fast. After. Texas lost to Oklahoma, by the way, but go ahead. Right. They, dropped, they lost to Oklahoma. It probably drops down pretty fast. So the basic issue is the top six here are probably responsible for 95% of the probability. Is that what you'd say is fair, Neil? That's kind yeah, of the point so. I'm trying to make is yeah. like, I no. mean, you don't think so? No, Alex? no, because, uh, well, right, I'm just going by the college football playoff rankings. Seven and eight are Ohio State and Oregon. They have more than a 5% probability in this particular year. So it, it's probably, remember, you have to put Florida State and Georgia five and six. But, Neil, what are your thoughts? It seems, well, it seems this year to go eight deep if you're talking about teams that are sort of considered on a different level than everyone else. And you could quibble about Penn State because I think their underlying stats are better than their actual record, but they have two losses, so whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the the bigger point is that I don't think we're going to have these battles over the cutoff line between number 12 and number 13 in future years or whatever, uh, the same way we're having the cutoff about five versus four. And that's a good thing. You know, this may be the last great debate that we have about, you know, who gets excluded versus who gets to play it on the field. Now there will be, because it's a 12 team bracket, uh, you know, particularly there will be a lot of intense debate over, you know, who gets that. Yeah. Who gets a buy and what the seedings are and all those different things. And we can look forward to those, but at least they'll get to prove it on the field. And, you know, I think that's the big thing for Florida state is like, it's a weird thing to argue for because like we admitted earlier, in the segment that we didn't think Florida State would be able to prove it on the field, just that they deserved it based on their backwards looking numbers. But hey, they're not the same team to, uh, in, in a month that they that they are today as well. So this idea of like, well, they're not the same team that they were, you know, uh, uh, a month ago or whatever. I just... I have just a fundamental problem with a shady cabal of a bunch of, you know, college uh, sports administrators sitting in a room and making these ad hoc adjustments for, you know, things like quarterback injuries that like, okay, well, tell me like in past years, if you know, uh, Alabama, like Tua goes down, you know, in the SEC championship or whatever, uh, are you making, now granted they had Jalen Hurts as the backup uh, or whatever, but are you, you know, if it's an SEC team that loses its quarterback, are you making the same? 
same adjustment? Probably not. And that's why I think a lot yep. of people just felt Agreed. like. And and so to me, one one thing, last, probably last thing that I want to bring up is what does this do for the nature of trying to kind of do a college football playoff predictor? Because that's something that we did at 538 for many years. And we did it based on, uh, you know, a set of rules. And this gets back to what you were talking about at the top of the segment, Eric, where, it, you know, Anytime you're doing a prediction like that, it has to be based on some systematic, you know, set of rules that will rank a team and adjustments you can make, but adjustments that are made to everyone, you know, it, it has to be fair and it has to kind of, you know, be applied globally. But uh, I wonder if this just sort of like ultimately the committee being able to do whatever it wants uh, is is something that you can't possibly model for. Like uh, we didn't do one this year because, you know, RIP 538 sports, but ESPN had their playoff predictor and it gave Florida state a 97% chance of making the, the playoff. And, you know, I, maybe the solution is just when in doubt, add more uncertainty. I think that's probably something that we've talked about a lot over the years as well. When you're in one of these situations, past precedent can always be upended by your your shady cabal. But I think also in some ways it calls into question even the mere exercise of trying to do a playoff predictor when it comes down to like you can you can fight the last war right you can put in you can be like well in the future we're going to do a quarterback injury adjustment and that'll help right. us in these particular cases and it's like the committee's going to find some kind of arbitrary edge case unless you do just some crazy like if if conference equals sec add 100 elo points <laughs> or something i'm not even joking though like that might be appropriate like in your back testing but it, it, you know i'm curious what you guys think about the endeavor of it's fundamentally different than trying to do a playoff predictor for other sports because they have rules that they must follow it's not like you know we made the trevor lawrence joke but it's not like since jacksonville's you know starting quarterback is injured that they're going to potentially not win the afc you know or like they'll the NFL powers that be will decide Roger Goodell will decide that the Jaguars can't make the playoffs after week 18. That's not how it works. There are rules that must be followed, but this college football is a sport where there are no, it's like, uh, whose line is it anyway? There are no rules and the points don't matter. Well, Neil, we'd like to thank you for joining us here on Wharton Moneyball. Um, everyone can find Neil Payne. Uh, he's a senior editor and writer for the messenger. Neil, thank you for joining us here on Wharton Moneyball. Thanks for having me on guys. Um, I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Adi Weiner and Shane Jensen. Uh, I'm Eric Bradlow. Some combination of the three of us and Cade Massey are here every week on Morton Moneyball. I'd like to thank our producer, boss man, Matt Datz. I'd like to thank our associate producer and sound engineer, Dion Simpkins. Uh, between now and next week, enjoy your sports, and we'll see you next week here on Morton Moneyball. Morton Moneyball.